0: with you guys, I had um, a thwarted attempt this summer. I was supposed to come this summer and my tire blew out on the way down. So I wasn't able to get here. So I am particularly grateful that I made it here. I left my house like, you know, three in the morning yesterday to make sure I got here on time and had an extra tire in my car. So we we're good. I love, I, I love Christmas um, and we are embracing it fully here. At Cornerstone, and I'm excited about that. Uh, the season brings lots of different kinds of things, for sure. It brings lots of different sorts of memories for me, and I'm sure for you as well. Some, some good, maybe some not as good. But uh, one of my memories that I have about 16 years ago at Christmas time, I was uh, I was great with child, and uh, this was a big deal because my husband and I had had. Uh, a lot of disappointment around being able to have children. We hadn't been able to have kids and it was really a hard road for us. And then we had this amazing miracle of being able to adopt our daughter, Maggie. And then of course, right on the tails of that, I got pregnant with our son, Trent. Yeah, it was one of those, right? Uh, So I was very nervous about having a child. I mean, I really had like two practically at the same time. So that was like double the nerves, but I had no idea what to expect. Um, so I did what I think a lot of other women do when they get pregnant. I went out and I bought the, the Bible of Pregnancy. It, it's a book called What to Expect When You're Expecting. <laughs> now, if you've been pregnant or you are pregnant or you're thinking about it, perhaps somewhere down the line or you're grateful you never have been, th- this is the Bible of Pregnancy. Uh, now, <clears throat> has lots of good tips in it. It's helpful. L- let me just make a couple things clear. Uh, when I was pregnant, I did not look like that. I, I was not that together. Uh, my hair wasn't perfectly combed, and I, I didn't have a matching outfit uh, with some super hip mom jeans. Uh, and uh, I for sure uh, wasn't walking around like this, holding, <laughs> holding my tummy with just a big grin on my face. In fact, I was throwing up and was kind of genuinely miserable and felt fat. And you know, I was kind of like, this is awesome. The best pregnancy I had was my adopted daughter's pregnancy. <laughs> Now, I I know that not everyone here has uh, been pregnant or will be pregnant, but but one of the commonalities we all share is the commonality of expectations. Uh, We all have had expectations in our lives, and I think that the holidays in particular uh, tend to bring out the expectations in all of us. If I look back on on all my Christmas holidays in my lifetime, I've had lots of different kinds of expectations. Some Christmases, my expectations have been met and far exceeded, and others, not so much. Uh, When I was uh, a kid, one Christmas, all I wanted... She's so cute, isn't she? I know. Uh, All I wanted for Christmas was a full football uniform. I wanted pads, I wanted the helmet, I wanted the whole nine yards. All right, and let's just notice that's a 49ers helmet that I got on, okay? Yeah, go Niners, right. You know, they might need some help and <laughs> there I am. I was so happy. It was like oh, amazing. It was, it was just, my expectation was like tripled, quadrupled. It was fantastic. One year, uh, I had a fantastic uh, fulfillment of, a, of, a, of an expectation or certainly a hope um, when my boyfriend, Flew all the way over to Edinburgh, Scotland and for Christmas presented me with these really beautiful earrings and then said to me, oh, by the way, uh, I have something to go with those. And he pulled out an engagement ring. That, that was a good Christmas. <laughs> now I have had some Christmases that were not as good, where my expectations were not met. For, for example, the Christmas where I woke up on Christmas morning with the stomach flu. And, uh, I was all excited, you know, we we're gonna go downstairs, we're gonna have coffee, music, be all cozy, fire. And I woke up and I was like, it's not happening for me. So I just heard everybody down there and they were having such a good time and it was awesome and I was throwing up. <laughs> Expectation, not met. There was another Christmas where uh, that same boyfriend, fiance, husband of 22 years now, and I seem to be having a little bit of trouble communicating. Uh, we were at a family event. You know, families, holidays. Sketchy. Uh, <laughs> and we, we kind of had a little disagreement. Okay, no, it was a full-on, it was a full-fledged fight. And we were in the other room fighting, and I was raised my voice, evidently, whatever, <laughs> was yelling. And, I said something that wasn't particularly super kind, and his mother walked in right in that moment. Fantastic. (laughs) Expectation, not met. Christmas brings a lot of different kinds of expectations. Uh, And we all come into the holidays with lots of different kinds of things on our minds, in our hearts, in our lives. Uh, I think the question that surrounds Christmas for me is, is this question. Uh, what do we expect when we're expecting? So one thing you may not know about me, because I don't think I've told you this over the years, is that I'm kind of a word nerd. Uh, I love words. And I love finding out like the etymology of words. Like I love to find out where they're from and, and their history. And I've got this big book in my library. It's fat and big, and it's dusty, and it smells, and it's amazing, and when I find a word that fascinates me, I go to the book. I don't go to Wikipedia. I, don't go, I, I go to this book, and I open it up. That's why they call me a word nerd. All right. So, I was thinking about this word, expectation, and I thought, I'm going to check it out. I want to see, see the nuances of this word. So, I look it up. It comes from the Latin word, expectantia, or expectare, and it means To look out for. Expectation means to look out for. And I thought, how appropriate is that uh, as we're in the Christmas season? Because we are looking out for something. We're really looking out for someone who is coming. I think the best way we can kind of get a handle on what we are looking at this morning in terms of what to expect when we're expecting is to look to the scriptures. And Luke chapter one has a great picture for us, I think, of what it looks like to be people who live expectantly. So if you open your handout, uh, you'll find Luke chapter one. uh, We're gonna look at verses 26 through 55. Let me read it for you. When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary. When the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one. The Lord is with you. She was confused by these words and wondered what kind of a greeting this might be. The angel said, Don't be afraid, Mary. God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of David, his father, and he will rule over Jacob's house forever, and there will be no end to his kingdom then mary said to the angel how will this happen since i haven't had sexual relations with the man the angel replied the holy spirit will come over you and the power of the most high will overshadow you therefore the one who is born will be holy he will be called god's son look even in her old age your relative elizabeth has conceived a son This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant, for nothing is impossible for God. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. Then the angel left her. Mary got up and hurried to a city in the Judean Highlands and she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. With a loud voice, she blurted out, God has blessed you above all women, and he has blessed the child you carry. Why do I have this honor, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Happy is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill the promises he made to her. I like, uh, I like this passage in, in Luke a lot and for a lot of reasons. I, I like it because it's, uh, it's real. It marries, I think, no pun intended, really well. Um, kind of the amazing story, sort of the the, the mystery of God with real life. And it, it does so nicely. It takes us into the majesty of God right smack dab in the middle of a teenage girl's maybe worst nightmare to begin with. This is why I love the Gospel of Luke. It's real. And I think that the Gospel of Luke, through the character of Mary, has something to teach us about what we expect when we're expecting. And the first thing I think Mary teaches us is that to be expectant means to be open. To be expectant means to be open. Now, let's take a minute and think about Mary. You know, uh, oftentimes Mary is depicted, say, like in Renaissance paintings, and she looks just so serene and, and, and beautiful. and. Uh, when I look at those pictures, I don't think that that's a teenage girl. But, but Mary was a teenage girl. And, and so she's young, you know, and, and she's just experiencing life, and she's about to get married. And everything is going along, and then an angel comes to her. And, and what I love about Mary is she's just honest, right? Uh, the text says, uh, an angel comes, and it says to her, you are favored. And she's confused. And she wonders, what it, what's this about? I, I think that's a fairly like calm response. I mean, I don't know, I wouldn't have responded that way. I think I probably wouldn't have been like, Wah! hair on fire, <laughs> maybe running away. Evidently Mary, a little calmer than I am. She asked the angel the obvious question that anyone would be asking when the angel says to her, you're, you're gonna get pregnant, and you're gonna have a baby. And she says, there's a problem here, cause, I'm not pregnant, and I haven't been with a man, so how's this going to work out? She just asked the honest question. I, I love this about Mary. Now, Mary is no dummy. She knows exactly uh, what her culture says about unwed mothers. Uh, she knows that it is going to be problematic for her uh, to be pregnant. And, to be engaged to Joseph, but not married to him. She's very well aware of it. I have a 16-year-old daughter now, and I was reading this story, and I thought, gosh, how would I respond if, if Maggie came to me and said to me, Mom, I'm pregnant? Uh, I, I would be su- surprised, I think, and once I kind of gathered myself together, I, I would probably say to her, okay, Mags, uh, I know how it happened, but tell me how did this happen? And I can only imagine how it would feel to me if Maggie said to me, Mom, the Holy Spirit came upon me, and I, I, and I got pregnant. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty certain I would look at her and go, Really? That's the best you got. That's the best story you can make of. Uh, so you can imagine Mary. I mean, there, it must have been uh, frightening for her. And she knew exactly how people were going to respond. She knew she was going to have to talk to Joseph. She knew that the town would shame her. She knew what people would be saying behind her back. She's a teenage girl, and everything in life changed radically in a moment when an angel told her she was favored. I, I love Mary. and She teaches us a lot about openness because, you know what? I think if I were she, I might have run away. But she was open to what God had for her. We know she was open because God chose her. God, God knew that both Mary and Joseph would be open to hearing his voice and hearing what he had for them. And so she shows us what expectancy looks like because she's open to God. Okay, we're open to a lot of things in life, aren't we? Um, you think about it, and I would include myself in this mix, I think we're primarily open to things that we want, right? Like, I'm open to my expectations working out the way I think they should, right? So I, I could say to you, for example, oh, I am so open for the perfect job. I mean, I'm open for that fantastic salary and, you know, the vacation package and the health care. I am open. Bring it. <laughs> we, we can say, oh, I'm, I am, I'm open for that spouse. Yeah, I mean, that's super good looking, handsome, that beautiful. <laughs> Uh, just brilliant, fantastic, you know, everything just tied up perfectly. I'm totally open to that partner. Bring it, God, come on. We could say, I'm open to that stock portfolio that never goes down and always goes up. I, I am, I'm open. I'm open to that perfect diagnosis where my problem gets identified and solved the way I want and is done and gone. I'm open to having that perfect family dinner at Christmas. We're open to a lot of things, but most of the time, I think, we're open to the things that we wanna be open to. Uh, Mary shows us that openness isn't so much about getting what you expect, as it is being open to what God has. I often ask myself this question, am I, am I open to God? I mean, I, I've been in relationship with God for a long time. I love, I love God. Uh, when we sing uh, the carol, you know, Be Near Me, Lord Jesus, a- every time it, it just gets me because I, I, I'm so grateful to have Jesus in my life. I'm uh, so grateful for who he is, um, the grace that he gives, uh, his love, uh, his plan. I'm, I'm, I'm just overwhelmed by it. But sometimes I'm less open than other times what God has. Uh, so I ask myself this question, okay, how am I open? Am I seeing God, where God is working? Am I, am I looking for, am I expecting a God? Because I think if we're going to be open, there are some things that might help us um, to identify maybe improving or honing, let's say, our openness skills. Uh, so a couple things. I think we... Uh, can be open to God when we cultivate an attitude of openness. We practice it. Um, I think we have to practice looking for God wherever we are in life at all times. I, I, it doesn't come naturally to me, so I have to, I have to work at it. I have to look hard, and I, I do this in a, in a number of ways. I mean, I, um, I take pictures every day actually of, of things that remind me God is here. Uh, I did it this morning when I was driving in. I uh, was on 280, and I, I pulled over and took the picture. But um, I took this picture because it was a beautiful morning. It was fog. I mean, it was just gorgeous. And I took the picture. Uh, that's an obvious one kind of because, you know, nature, everybody goes, oh, that's a, God is there, right? But if you looked at, um, you know, my camera roll on my on my phone, you'd see all kinds of odd pictures. Like I have a picture of a carton of Faya yogurt because I love that yogurt. I love it. I mean, I eat it every morning for breakfast without fail. Uh, and you know what? It's yogurt. But you know, that, that moment of enjoyment for me is one of the ways I say, oh, God, you are here. You're here. I mean, I got pictures of dogs on there, not even my dogs, just like stray dogs that I see, because I love animals. It's it's a practice that I do. I, I look at them. I take I pick pictures of them. I I make collages out of them to remind me to be open to where God is. Uh, I write in a journal. Uh, I look at the scriptures. I say, if, if nothing else, if I can't see God in, in the pictures, if I can't write something down, I know I'm going to find God in the scriptures. I, I go there and I say, God, I, I want to be open to you and, and your story and what you have here. Lots of ways that we can cultivate this attitude of openness. Now, one of the things that I think is kind of like a little snafu in that is that sometimes when we talk about uh, practicing being open to God, we think about the grandiose. We, we want God to show up in the, in the miracle, right? We want to see that big thing. Uh, and I'm all for it. Let me just be clear. I, I'm all for the big miracle. I mean, every day when my son comes downstairs and uh, you know, he's, he's 15 now, almost 16, um, severe autism. Every day I go, oh, I would love the miracle. I would love for him to speak to me in full sentences to m- this morning. I would love for him to be healed. I, I, I pray for it. I believe God can do it. But if that's all I focus on, I'm missing God in the small things. I was having coffee the other morning before anybody came downstairs, and I was kind of in a bad mood and i'm just sitting there and i'm drinking my coffee and and here comes trent now the first word that comes out of trent's mouth every morning is the same coffee he goes coffee because i started this tradition with him where i take him to starbucks every day now this has become a rather expensive date with my son <laughs> i didn't quite plan on that but because he's a lover of routine every day i take him it's a kind of it's like you know son mom date and uh, Usually when he comes downstairs, he's in his pajamas, and so we got to go and get dressed, go to Starbucks. Well, this morning, he walks downstairs, and before the word coffee ever came off his lips, I looked at him, and he was fully clothed. Now, you know what? I know that for a normal 15-year-old boy, getting their clothes on isn't a big deal. I mean, matching, maybe. (laughs) It's easy. But for my son to come downstairs with his clothes on it's like a little miracle. And if I'm only looking for the big thing, I miss those moments. I miss that moment where I go, oh, God, yes, there you are. There you are in jeans and a t-shirt, right there. Thank you. I'm open because I'm practicing and I'm looking for, not just in the big things, but in the small things. We can can miss what God has for us. Mary was open. Do you guys like to show the amazing race? I don't know if you do, I do. Okay, and um, I watch it faithfully and I enjoy it because it's got travel and it's comp- competitive and, and it's got drama, you know, and I love the clues. So if you don't know about it, it's this race around the world and people compete in teams and they get clues where they go and hopefully eventually they're the first people to finish and they get the prize. All right. So this one season, a couple seasons ago, there was a super cute older couple on. And I loved them. And they were kind of like everybody's grandma and grandpa, you know, and everybody loved them. This was before it got like super cutthroat. <laughs> and, you know, people were <laughs> tripping each other. But they just loved this couple. And I loved this couple. They, they were my front runners, man. I wanted them to win so badly because they were just good. They were just kind. They were helpful. Uh, at one point in the show, the, the group was in China. And they were in a, a town, a city center, really, in a square. And they were supposed to find a clue. Well, on The Amazing Race, Clues are often hidden in weird places, and sometimes they're super hard to find, and you have to, be kind of, you have to be clever and figure it out. In this case, the clue was on a huge billboard in the middle of the square, about that size, okay? People were scurrying around, you know, looking for the clue, and they were focusing on this couple who was looking everywhere except at the billboard. They were looking on the ground, they were asking people, they walked seven miles away from the square to try and find the clue seven miles back. Now, um, aside from being a word nerd, I'm also an interactive television watcher, okay? (laughs) So it's not quiet when I watch TV. So they're back in the square. Everybody else has figured it out, and they're there, and they're trying to figure it out, and they're so, I'm just like, oh, you guys, come on! And finally, in exasperation, I scream at my television, look up! Look up! It's right in front of you! Finally they look up and they see the clue. And I was thinking about that because you know sometimes we're looking everywhere else trying to find, trying to find and it's right in front of us and we miss it. We miss it. And and Mary teaches us be open to what God has to you. So cultivate that uh, expectare, cultivate that looking for in any and everything because God is present and God is at work. I think another thing that helps us be open is to learn how to let go of fear. Fear is probably one of the biggest stumbling blocks to being open to what God has for us when we're afraid. Uh, I think it's interesting that in the story, the first imperative or the first command that the angel gives is fear not to Mary. Don't be afraid. It's one of the first things the angel says because the angel knows. God knows that it's going to be a little scary for Mary. God knows that we fear. God knows our fears. Um, And He speaks to us and says, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let go of your fear. Let go of your fear and be open to me. Over the last week or so, I'm sure you have paid attention as I have to the death and um, the service for Nelson Mandela. And lots of amazing stories. And I have followed his story for a long time. And I remember the day he was released from prison. I, I've, I've watched it all unfold. And when, when he died, that was particularly a, a sadness for me. And, and his celebration of his life was, was moving. And it reminded me of one of my favorite quotes that um, he has said. And it says this. It says, I learned that courage is not the absence of fear but the triumph over it. And I was thinking about this because I thought, you know what, God isn't asking us for the absence of fear because God knows we're afraid. But we can triumph over it when we hear God say to us, don't be afraid. The reason Mary had courage isn't because she was just like some amazing, super cool teen girl, you know, who could be an action figure doll. The reason Mary had courage is because she heard what God said to her. She she took it in. When God says, Don't be afraid. I got you. I've got it. I've got it covered. I, I know where I'm taking you. When we hold on to our fear, we can't be open. The way fear gets defeated is when we trust God. And the way we trust God is to hold on to what He tells us. When He says, Don't be afraid. Because nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. Not my greatest fear, not my worry, not my anxiety, not any situation. There is nothing on the table that God is unable to handle. He's got it. And when I let go of my fears, I'm able to be open to God. So the first thing she teaches us is to be Be open. That's what being receptive is about. The second thing I think uh, Mary teaches us about expectancy, excuse me, is that when we're expectant, we're receptive. Now openness and receptivity can sound like the same thing, but there's an interesting distinction I want to make here. I think uh, openness is an attitude. I'm open. I'm open. Okay. But when we receive something, there's an action involved in it. We take it in. Accept it, we act on it. Now Christmas is a great example of this, I think. So I think most of us would say we're open to getting gifts at Christmas. Would would we all agree, yes, I'm open to that, sure. Someone wants to give me a gift, okay, I'm open. We may not though, when we get the gift, um, be receptive of it. Several years ago, my oldest sister gave my middle sister a gift and it was an umbrella that was a light. Okay, I thought that was awkward. And, no, let's be honest, weird. I I mean, I thought it was a loser gift. There, let's just be honest, okay? And I kept thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so glad she didn't give it to me. I watched my middle sister when she got the gift, and she worked, my middle sister's very gracious, very gracious, and she was working super hard to be like, oh, thanks. But, you know, it was written all over her face. Is there a receipt that came with this? I'm just curious, you know? uh, Where'd you get it? You <laughs> See what I'm saying? That was not a gift she wanted to receive. She did not want to embrace the umbrella lamp. <laughs> so we can be open, but we may not receive what God has. We could say, I'm open, God, bring it. But the thing is, is that when, when God gives it, we have to receive it. Openness is an attitude. Receptivity is an action word. It's not passive. Think about what Mary does. Mary says to the angel after everything, she says, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. And she acts on it. How does she act on it? Well, I'll tell you how she acted on it. She got on a donkey in a very uncomfortable physical state. She went on, I would think, what I would call the ultimate road trip, a long, long ways away, a slow, painstaking journey, she checked into a no-star hotel. And she birthed the savior of the world. I'd call that receptivity. To be expectant means we receive Now, that can look different at different spaces and times in our lives. Sometimes receptivity for us to what God has is just, just really just saying, okay, God, you know what? I'm just going to trust you. I mean, it, it, I, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to step out. I'm just going to take a step. Because maybe you just don't even have any clue of where God's taking you. It feels perplexing. You're not sure. And so you're just saying, you know what? My openness to you and my receptivity is going to empower me to step forward. To just take a step. I, I make journals, and um, on the cover of one of my journals, I, I have a, a clipping from a magazine, and it says, Step out. Because sometimes for me, receiving what God has is just stepping out. Now, sometimes um, it might be adjusting our expectations. I mean, think about Mary. I'm pretty confident that you know, Mary, when she wrote her, you know, what I want to do with my life, in her journal, didn't write, I want to be an unwed mother uh, and get on a donkey and (laughs) have a baby in a barn and have them be the savior of the world. I mean, I'm, I'm confident she didn't write that, you know? She had a lot of adjusting to do, but she did it. Sometimes we have to adjust our expectations. I did not expect to have a son with severe autism. So I've had to adjust my expectations um, and ask God to help me adjust them, be open to what that looks like so that I can celebrate what God has given me and live out who God is and see God in the gift of my son. Sometimes we have to lay our expectations aside totally. We have to go, you know what, I guess my expectation, God, actually wasn't yours. We're two weeks out from Christmas. And I know some of us are, are, are super busy. You know, you're like, oh my gosh, really? It's two weeks? ah, And you got lists and things and parties and people and you're like, Christmas, mm, it's awesome, embracing <laughs> <I'm> it. <laughs> you know what? Some of you have nothing. I mean, you're like, I wish, I wish I were stressed out about Christmas because you know, I'm lonely. I don't have parties to go to. I don't have people in my life to share it with. Some of you may be in the place where you say, you know what, I don't even have expectations anymore because I'm always disappointed. I get that. But, But here's the deal. If we don't live with expectation, we're hopeless. If we don't live with the expectation of looking for that someone, of being open and receiving what God has for us, we are rudderless. We are lost. Life can be very hard, and I know for some of you here today, it is impossible right now. You're saying, I'm embracing Christmas. Hey, you know what, Libby? I'm just trying to breathe. And the idea of expectations might be just too much. The good news of of Luke is this. Um, God knows you. God knows what you're going through. God's there. God's present. Um, I may not know, but God knows. Um, And the expectation that we can hold on to is the expectation that hope is coming. Rescue is coming. Expect it. Expect him. That's what we expect when we're expecting. God, thank you that you are coming, that you have come, that you have come and rescued us and given us life and hope May we be open to you and receptive in your name, amen.